when we went to Cannes in May, it was with the purpose of trialing all of those things. We tried the slushies and we tried the menthol gels and we did the uh, hyperhydration with uh, glycerol. I think the main thing is is the practice and you know to to trial stuff yourself and not just kind of assume that what worked for me or for other people will work for you. Welcome to the Long Munch, the nutrition podcast for runners, cyclists and triathletes. I'm Steph Gaskell. And I'm Alan McCubbin. We are both accredited sports dietitians based in Melbourne and combined have over 30 years experience working with runners, cyclists and triathletes to help them stay healthy and optimise their performance from complete beginners through to professional and Olympic athletes. We're also both researchers in sports nutrition at Monash University, and we love translating the often complex science of sports nutrition into simple and practical strategies. Each week, we take a deep dive into the most common nutrition questions that runners, cyclists, and triathletes ask. This may be at at training or um, when they're enjoying a, a, a coffee or a cup of tea, um, and uh, hopefully some some healthy nutrition after the session. And what we try and do is is break it down and we invite a guest expert in our part A and often we'll have a part B which will then invite an athlete or potentially a coach to add their perspective on that question. So how are you going um, today, Al? Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to Christmas. The elf still making its appearance each morning, moving its way around the house. So yeah. No, all good here. Um, and yeah, looking forward to a couple of weeks off and a bit of rest and, and relaxation, I think. How about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Just getting uh, more and more excited, I guess, to travel down to Adelaide. Um, as we all know, Adelaide's uh, one of the best cities in, in Australia. Um... <laughs> They're letting you across the border now? <laughs> they are oh actually yeah i think i've got to have a few tests too hey not mm. looking forward to that um mm. anyway um got to do it so and and it's good to do so yeah but excited about today's episode yeah absolutely so today's episode is episode 28b so it's a follow-on from last week's episode and our question is how can nutrition help to keep me cool and we're joined today by Olympic marathon runner Sinead Diver, who obviously competed at the Tokyo Olympics earlier this year. And obviously that was a a very hot race. So great to hear from her about some of the things that they put in place to prepare for Tokyo. And uh, last episode um, for for this year, um, and then we'll be taking, yeah, a, a few break, a few weeks break over the holiday season, um, and we'll be back in, a, in about mid-January. Um, um, so we'll give you guys a, a break from hearing our beautiful voices for a little while, um, but don't worry, they'll, they'll be coming back in, in mid-Jan. Don't worry, there's a whole back catalogue, Steph. If they get sick of <laughs> or if they miss hearing our voice, yes. they can go back through the back catalogue if they haven't already. <laughs> Okay, uh, social media shout-outs. Well, there isn't really any to discuss right now because it's only been three or four days since our last podcast went live. So um, it's pretty straightforward today, Steph. I think we'll just go straight into the episode. So how can my nutrition help to keep me cool with Sinead Diver? Do you want to tell us a bit more about Sinead for those the, the listeners who don't know Sinead? 
Yeah, yep. Um, so Sinead um, is originally from Ireland, um, but, yeah, we're lucky enough to now um, uh, take her and um, and have her in Australia. Um, but, yeah, she, you know, she um, obviously still appreciates her um, upbringing and background in, in Ireland too. Um, but she's she's running for, for Australia at the moment, so super lucky because she is incredibly talented. And, um, yeah, she only actually came into running quite late, and I believe that it, it was from her sister introducing her to, like, a, a kind of a corporate fun run or, or something. And, um, and yeah, and she, she did that. She, yeah, did a crazy time for the tan from not really coming from running um, and just, yeah, I think grew in love with it and, and just kept getting better and better and still does. Um, so, yeah, 2018, um, she's got the, the record for the Melbourne Marathon in a time of 2.25.17. Um, and she's her PB, um, we believe, is 2.24 and 11 seconds, and that was at the 2019 London Marathon. Uh, she raced um, the 10,000 metres um, at the 2019 World Athletics Championships in Doha, uh, and, um, yeah, more recently um, ran in the Tokyo Olympics and um far out an incredible performance by her and she just uh yeah kept some um, passing people near the latter part and did a, a negative split which is crazy in those um hot conditions so she came 10th um in a time of 231 uh 14 and yeah she's just an incredible um person from from what we've seen um and um yeah, just keeps keeps improving and keeps wanna um, wanting to um, just get better and better, which is awesome. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, and just a reminder, we had um, episode five um, B. We we had with um, Jessica Stenson, um, or some people might know her as as Trengove, um, and that was on how do I best cope with training and racing in the heat. Um, and she spoke um, particularly in her with her experience in the um, Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in 2018. So, yeah, it might be good for the listeners to potentially go back to that one and listen as well um, uh, so they can hear both kind of perspectives of, of how people prepared for those events. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Jess's episode, I think, focused more around that sort of heat acclimation and the hydration side of things, uh, whereas this one with Sinead is, is more specific to those sort of cooling strategies that were, were trialled and, and in some cases used in the lead-up to the, the Tokyo Olympics for the marathon there. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. And, um, yeah, I think an important point that, um, you know, Meg um, raised um, and that we've spoken about as well is just that, yeah, you know, heat acclimation is kind of that the one the the main thing that we're wanting to do when we're competing in the heat, um, and and then these things are just to help add on top of it, and depending on what the conditions are, will depend on what we we use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's an, enough of our waffle, Steph. Let's get straight into our interview with Sinead. Let's do it. All right, Sinead Diver, welcome to The Long Munch. How are you going? I'm good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, great to have you here. Um, now, Melbourne Marathon's this weekend, isn't it? Are you yeah. racing or are you taking a break? Um, I am down for the half. 
Um, I'm still trying to decide if I'm racing or not. Yeah. Um, I'm going to decide on Thursday. Yeah. Um, it's just it's been a big year and I feel a bit um, not sure if I'm ready to yeah. race again, even though I really, really want to do. Like I love, I've raced Melbourne Marathon three times and mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever done the half actually, but I've done the 10K. So I was ke- really keen to race it, but I'm not sure if I'm ready. I'm just going to, yeah. Yeah. Well, decide yeah. <laughs> fully on Thursday if I'm going to do it or not. Yeah, no, I thought that might be the case. Mm-hmm. It's obviously been a, a big year for you, but a big few years really, you know, culminating in obviously the, the Olympics this year in Tokyo where you finished 10th in the women's marathon, 231.14. I guess, you know, it's been a few years that you've kind of built up to that. How do you sort of think back? I mean, you probably had a bit of time in hotel quarantine to reflect on it and think about it, but how do you sort of, what do you make of the whole experience now? Now it's sort of come and gone. Yeah, I mean, it's been um, a crazy few years, really. I guess, uh, like, uh, my best year was probably 2018. That's when everything kind of kicked off for me. Um, I had, like, aspirations before that about, you know, going to Rio. Um, that was kind of on the radar, but I wasn't sure if I was ever really going to make it. I you know, I was a bit, um, I could be, could get in the third spot maybe, but then I got injured and couldn't qualify. So that was a bit uh, difficult. But then um, after that, I think with Melbourne Marathon in 2018, uh, when I broke the course record and got a PB of 225, that's when I thought, all right, I'm a real chance for, you know, making it to Tokyo. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've fit a lot, I think, into the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but given my late start in running, you know, I kind of didn't have time to dawdle about. <laughs> so I really wanted to, you know, uh, you know, I guess put as much into it as I could. Um, and it's funny, like when I think back on it, you know, I've ha- I did have time to reflect on it in hotel quarantine, but it's actually not the best best location to reflect on things I found quarantine this time really difficult after Mm. London because I think it was my third time in hotel quarantine and by day two I was like well and truly over it and really just wanted to get home and I felt like I'd been away from home for so long so um I did a lot of admin stuff there but not a lot not a lot of reflection I think until I came home um after that and especially um, when I came back after the Olympics, um, I didn't have much time to uh, think about things because I was like ramping up for London so quickly again. Like there was a five mm. weeks and I had to leave again. Um, so really, we didn't celebrate the Olympics or anything till I came back um, after London. And yeah, that's really when I had like, you know, a solid think back about everything that I've achieved and it was important to you know mark the event and stuff because often you can just let these things uh, pass you by and just move on to the next without really you know appreciating like the effort that's gone into something and when something goes well or if it doesn't and you know reflecting on it so I've done a lot of that the last few weeks yeah excellent all right, and and I guess what what did you make of the race itself in Tokyo? I mean, obviously we'll we'll get into um, the the nutrition side of it soon, but obviously very hot race. Um, you finished tenth yourself. How did you sort of interpret your your own race on the day? Yeah, it's funny actually. So they moved the race from Tokyo to Sapporo because of the heat, mm. 
um, because it was supposed to be cooler in Sapporo. But then that <laughs> week in Sapporo, we had a heat wave. Yeah. <laughs> they had a heat wave. <laughs> um, so the day of our race was like much hotter than it was in Tokyo. <laughs> so yeah. I, it, initially, it was like, oh, that's so annoying because it would have been great to be in the <laughs> Olympic Village and everything. Mm. But um, they actually started our race like an hour early because they were really worried about the heat and that. Um, and I think I got really worried about it as well, even though I had prepared really well for it and I knew I was ready for it. I had never raced a marathon in those conditions before. Um, like when I raced Melbourne in 2018, it was quite warm that day, but nothing like this. Like this was uh, 31 degrees and it it was like a hot 31 degrees, really, really humid. Uh, it felt like more like I thought 34, 35 um but in the end that actually played well for me because I was really conservative in the first half and often I can start a bit too fast in races but this one I was like all right you know the boys are watching from home I'm not going to put myself in a position that I'm going to collapse at 35k from heat heat stroke or heat exhaustion so um and I'm glad I was really really conservative because it did get really tough especially you know after that 30k mark Mm. um but yeah I stayed strong till the end and I got a negative split um so I I think I nailed it really which is good on yeah in such an important race yeah absolutely and I remember um seeing sort of the the times come through and and how many places you picked off you must have just been passing people left right and center in that last sort of 10k or so yeah, and that always helps, you know, it always gives you a little bit of, of motivation because even, you know, you're hurting really badly, but then you pass them when you go, okay, well, everyone is really yeah. hurting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, awesome. And obviously having having done that reflection, have you sort of got plans already for 2022? Yeah, so um, my, posi- my top 10 at the Olympics gets me on the Calm Games team. Mm-hmm. So, but I also have a qualifier for world champs. Um, so my London time that I just raced got is a um, qualifier for world champs, but they're only 10 days apart. Uh-huh. Uh, so obviously I won't do both. <laughs> so Decisions. I have to choose one or the other. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure yet which, which I'll, which I will choose. I'm like, I have a guaranteed spot on the Com games team, but then the world champs will depend on, you know, how the other girls do and where we are, uh, where we where our time sit mm. um so we'll see how that pans out but definitely one of them yeah um and it would be nice actually to to try and have a crack at the 10k time the only problem with that is we don't have many opportunities in australia like we have zadapec in january but that's it yeah um so i'd have to go to america to do that and mm. maybe i want to do an <laughs> i kind of want to do another marathon as well like choose one that's a bit faster and um you know better conditions because i'd like to put in a solid block and you know aim for a fast time for yeah. the next marathon yeah fair enough and where is world champs next year it's in portland or eugene yeah 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 okay so the us or the uk yeah, yeah. cool um now as recently as you know we we're talking about it this off air just before you know as recently as late 2018 i think you you weren't really involved in that kind of institute of sports system which obviously you have been for the last couple of years so it's been a, a pretty quick sort of entry into the the system so to speak for you um obviously you did the world champs in 2019 in the 10k 
uh, and we spoke to um, Ellie Pashley, who did that race with you um, in a previous podcast. Uh, and then obviously you did the, the marathon this year with the Olympics. Now you've kind of been in that kind of institute team system for a couple of years. Can you tell people what, what sort of opportunities does that allow you, kind of the resourcing and the expertise around you then? What does that allow you that you don't necessarily get access to sort of prior to that? Um, yeah, so um, when I went to World Champs in Beijing in 2015, I wasn't part of um, the VIS or Athletics Australia. Um, so everything I did for that was um, just I organized myself. It was actually much harder like it was quite difficult because I had to organize a heat chamber um, and pay for that myself and that, which cost a lot of money because um, I can't remember how much it was for 10 sessions, like definitely over two grand. Yeah. Um, whereas now at the VIS, they have a heat chamber there. And for the lead up to the Olympics, I was able to use it like pretty much whenever I wanted. Like I obviously you can't over <laughs> overdo it or you'll you know get yourself in trouble but um i used it for twice or three times a week um in the couple of months leading in um so that was really really great to have that and we had um uh, nick owen he was uh i'm not sure what his title was but he was helping us out with how to do that properly and like you know make sure that you weren't overdoing it um because you can really kind of get yourself into a hole if you do too much yeah. uh, heat training. Yeah. Um, so that was great to have him there and to have access to that. And also um, we've got access to strength and conditioning coaches, um, which I've started using recently because um, that was something that, that was more, more of a, I didn't have time to do it. But now at the VIS, I'm really close to it. So I go in there twice a week and uh, Corey and Yoss, the guys there have like written a program for me. So that's really good as well. And also um, uh, we, in the lead up to uh, Tokyo with all the uh, COVID complications and that, um, mm. like I had to leave Victoria um, much earlier than I would have normally because I was trying to get to races in Tassie and um, uh, Gold Coast. So myself and a couple of the other marathoners went to Canberra so that we'd be able to get to the races because Victoria was under these lockdown restrictions. Um, and AA really helped us out with like sorting out accommodation and flights and they made all of the logistics of that much easier. Yeah. Um, and they had like Collis Birmingham, um, he was with us to help us with all of that. So it made something that could have been really really difficult and stressful a lot better like yeah. it was difficult already but they just sorted everything out for us and that was like you know invaluable really yeah yeah for sure yeah and also actually so uh, i've got access to jess rothwell as well so she's the nutritionist there yeah. and she has been great so i'm sure she'll come up a few times in this pod because mm. she did all of the um our nutrition and uh pre-cooling stuff uh, for before the race um and we actually went to Cannes in may this year for i think it was 10 days or so uh maybe a week to 10 days just to trial out like all the pre-cooling strategies that she had worked on yeah. um so that was great just to get a feel for it and then like she was with us in Cannes again we went there for uh, athletics australia uh pre-camp and in Sapporo as well so she was amazing to have yeah Awesome. Um, 
And so we spoke um, last week uh, with Meg Ross, who's done quite a lot of work in Australia around sort of pre-cooling with slushies and ice towels, um, hyperhydration with glycerol, um, and also in terms of temperature perception with um, with menthol. So in the lead up to Tokyo, which of these options um, were you and the marathon runners presented with? So um, when we went to Cairns in May, it was with the purpose of trialing all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we tried, we didn't, oh yeah, no, we tried the slushies. So Jess came with us, with made slushies for us um, and we tried the menthol gels and we did the uh, hyperhydration with uh, glycerol. Um, so we, yeah, all of us tried them. The hyperhydration didn't sit well with most of us. Um, mm. uh, I think it was only one one of the guys that found it okay on his stomach, but the rest of us mm. like immediately had to go to the bathroom for <laughs> quite a while after. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's that's not really how you want to feel before a marathon. Yeah. So we were really cautious about trying it but Jess actually um she just changed I think the amount of glycerol and sodium in the mix and she tried to alter it for us but Mm -hmm. I think I tried it maybe three times and it just wasn't getting any better and I actually didn't really retain that much fluid um so I I can't remember like it was just really minuscule for me I know that um for some of the other guys they it was quite beneficial for them in that they were much more hydrated starting but for mm. me, it was like not worth it. Um, so in, I think I tried it three or four times. And then in Sapporo, I decided to uh, just have sodium and cut out the glycerol completely. So I had to play mm-hmm. around with that a few times as well, because I think on the first trial, like I put in way too much sodium. So for the whole, it was, I did it for one of my long runs. And for the whole run, I was just really thirsty the whole time. Like I could not, no matter how much I drank, I couldn't get rid of that sensation in my mouth. So that was horrible. Um, mm. So then I just kept reducing it until I found that, you know, it was, it was good. But my stomach was fine with just the sodium. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Slushies I really liked. Um, the only thing with the slushies though was that we were also doing the ice baths. And mm. when you get out of an ice bath, um, you know, you're shivering and freezing and trying to get a slushy into you is really difficult. <laughs> like trying to, So I kind of, I probably only had like half a glass of the slushy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it is important to trial everything together that you're going to do before the race because the slushy on its own is fine. It's really nice and refreshing, but coupled with the ice bath, I found it difficult. Um, mm-hmm. What else do we do? Oh, the menthol gels. Uh, so we tried them, we got like, um, the gels weren't labeled, but they were of different strength of menthol. Mm. And we had to like fill in a survey afterwards and say how, you know, how long we felt a cooling sensation and if we liked them and everything. But I didn't really like the gels that much. Um, <laughs> I uh, like, I'm really uh, not fussy, but particular about what, I ingest like the day of the race and before that and I've had issues with other gels in the past so now I just use Morton the drink mix and sometimes the gels and that sits really well with me so I was very cautious about a bit wary about trying a different gel and then the menthol sensation I didn't really like for some reason I 
like it's definitely minty and everything, but it didn't make me feel any cooler or anything. So I didn't use those for the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And um, so if we, I guess if we go um, back to, let's go to the hyperhydration um, aspect. So, um, so you sort of, yeah, you tried the glycerol and the sodium, you know, the glycerol wasn't sitting so well, went to the, the sodium more so. Um, how did that taste? Like, it, you know, when you, even when you did glycerol and sodium, how was it? Because it's, as you mentioned, it's like, really high in sodium yeah um we had put uh cordial in it as well for uh flavor so i didn't mind it so much but on the like so you have to however we drank about roughly a liter ish or so and you drink it into or break it into four drinks that you like drink one every 15 minutes or whatever so you have to get through it within the hour and the first Mm. one first couple i thought were fine but then mm. I really struggled to drink the other, the last two. Um, mm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it, but it wasn't that bad. Like if, had I gained a lot of benefit from it and felt, uh, was much more hydrated, I would have had no issues drinking it. It was fine, really. Yeah. 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 And um, with that, like how um, long before did you have that hyperhydration drink? Was that like um, one hour before you were race starting and then that you had it every 15 minutes um no so three hours before um so that you'd be finished like so and then it would take an hour to drink um all the fluid um so that you'd have two hours in between that before you started racing yeah yep yep and did you find that when you like yeah so you did that you drank it then were you having to go to the loin pee it out? Like, did you pee yeah, some out? Or I did, but without yeah. the glycerol, it was just like I just went once or twice and it was fine. Okay, but, cool. But with glycerol, you sort of went more and it was sort of upset the gut yeah, a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more of a clear yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the topic I talk about all the time, Sinead. Like, so <laughs> it's my cup of tea, but it might not necessarily be the listeners. It's um, an awkward thing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, it's funny because we were all like, we were all sitting together drinking them. This wasn't before the race. So this is when we were trialing it. So we're all yeah. in like the living room in in the apartment we're in in Cannes, drinking the drinks, and then like. On the last drink, you could see everyone drinking it much quicker, and then we all like scattered because <laughs> everyone had to go to the toilet. <laughs> Hopefully, there was enough toilets for each of you. Yeah, we all had our yeah. own one, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and um, sorry, Alan, you were mentioning something about a slushy. Oh yeah, so I was, I was saying with the um, with the hyperhydration was uh, if were you trialing this in together with the slushy or as completely separate kind of trials um no that so that was with the slushy as well but the slushy so we did the hyperhydration three hours before and then Mm. um a half an hour before our run started we do the ice bath yep and then i think that i think we're in that for maybe 20 minutes and then get out of that put on the ice vest and have a slushy Mm -hmm. so they were all like just before so if you were doing that before the race it would be like just before you yeah. know, uh, you get out onto the course. So yeah. because of the, the timing of those are different, you can, they're yeah. two separate things. The slushy doesn't become part of the hyperhydration. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so with the slushy, um, did you say that was maybe about, was that about a litre or so, did you say, or a bit less? No, the slushy was only, oh, 
I would a lot less, like maybe four hundred mils, maybe. Maybe half. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And um, did you did you find? Oh, so you didn't find that was so easy to get down because of the um because of the ice bath. But if well the sorry the cold vest. But if you um if you didn't have that and you just had the slushy um you'd typically find that was okay you wouldn't you didn't kind of get brain freeze or anything yeah no because I didn't have to drink it really fast um Mm. like I just Mm -hmm. kind of drank it comfortably it wasn't a like try and rush it down or anything um so without being in the ice bath and with the ice vest I would have had no issues with it but because I was shivering and so cold it was taking me ages to, to get it into me and then then we had to leave for our run so I just yeah, I only had it like half of it, 200 mils maybe or something. So I yeah. actually, I'm just trying to think if I used that before Sapporo. I don't think I did. I don't think I did the slushy because I did the ice bath and the ice vest and I had the hyperhydration minus the glycerol. So that yeah. I felt that was enough. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you, so then how did you find doing all that with with um, with then running? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We also then uh, we started. We had like these ice, like neck towels, uh, oh, and yes. we tied them around our necks. But I found that really annoying. Like I chucked mine within, I'd say, twenty seconds because it was just like bobbing up and down, just hitting my neck <laughs> and my ears and stuff. So I just got rid of that. Um, it's so hard to say how I found the hyperhydration because I don't have a another race where I didn't do it to compare it to. Yeah. Um, yep. I did find that so at, in the last 12k of the race or so um, my stomach was really upset but I don't know if that's because of uh, I, ha- I took on too much um, carbs during the race mm-hmm. and with the heat I think it's important to adjust that and like reduce it much more and then on top of the hyperhydration like my stomach like was in bits really um so for the next one I don't know if I would do hyperhydration even though mm. I did race well so then I, I think I'd be afraid maybe not to do it <laughs> mm. in a hot marathon it's really difficult you know to no. know only having done one I guess yeah when did you say you got the when did your stomach fill upset did you say it was in the latter part in, around the last 12k because uh, I remember um just grabbing drinks uh, or gels, whatever, and yeah. kind of thinking, oh, I better get this into me because <clears throat> I don't want to hit the wall. But then I just couldn't get much more into me. So I, d- I don't think I had the last few, like maybe the last three, like drinks, or I had a, a Coke as well. And that definitely, I didn't drink that and threw away a couple of gels and stuff. When you first started running, Sinead, either in Tokyo or even when you're doing the tests up in Cairns, when you're sort of hyperhydrated, do you feel any different when you first start running, like because of the extra fluid on board in any way? Um, not really. I Like I thought I'd feel nauseous in that because my stomach like didn't handle it at all. And then I felt quite nauseous after. But then once I started running, maybe because it was like two hours later, I felt fine again. Like yeah. it didn't last long or anything. Like I was totally yeah. fine again um and didn't feel full or anything like that yeah okay. like i didn't feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um yeah that's good yeah well it's had i guess plenty of time to sort of go through your stomach empty and and absorb yeah in, so yeah that makes sense yeah and it sounds like yeah you had some good time to kind of practice it and refine it as well with jess 
you know leading up to it all yeah like I definitely that's not something I would trial uh no. like too close to the race I, I if anyone was doing it I would suggest like a f- like a few months out and to try it a few times just to see and in different yeah. like on a long run and also on like a threshold like a harder uh rate mm. more race effort type run mm-hmm. uh, I would mm-hmm. try it a few times definitely yeah and making sure yeah you, you're considering what else you're doing so that it's all in combination kind of thing and also making sure you know that um it's actually of benefit to you so Jess was like weighing us before and after and weighing our food and everything so we could see how much water we, we retained. Mm. Um, yeah. And for me, with the glitterol, it was not a lot at all. So mm. much, mm-hmm. I was much better with just sodium. Just the sodium. Yep. Yeah. So were there particular training sessions that were really hot where you, you know, kind of did deliberately use those, um, those strategies as well? Um... So, yeah, when we were in Cairns, uh, it was quite warm up there. Like it was 28 degrees, maybe mm-hmm. 29. And f- so mm-hmm. I tr- we were, I think we were only there two, and a half, two weeks or two and a half weeks. So I trialed like a few different things. Um, and generally before my long run, because I'd finished my long run with a, like a 30-minute race pace effort at the end. Um, so it was kind of, it was a really good one to to trial the strategies on because it was more similar to the marathon. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, we, we heard from Julian Spence in an, an earlier podcast um, about the World Championships back in 2019 in Doha. Um, now, obviously, you did the 10K there. He did the, the marathon, and he sort of commented on what he was seeing around him in terms of what strategies other athletes from other countries were using, whether they were doing sort of pre-calling, that kind of thing or not. Did you have much awareness of, of what other people were doing around you, whether a lot of people were doing slushies and things like that or ice bars or, or not really, or you didn't really get to see? Um, I was actually really surprised at the lack of people doing any pre-cooling. Like it was really – because we, we had put so much focus on it, so much emphasis on it because we were so concerned about the heat and knew, you know, it makes such a difference to your race. Mm. Um, and – uh, before we went to Sapporo, like we were trying the ice baths and like myself and Ellie were really comfortable with the ice bath and found it really beneficial. And then we were told that we weren't allowed to bring ice baths or bring our own baths and that and that they'd have a couple of buckets pretty much for everyone to share. And we were like, this is, that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's not enough. Like like two <laughs> buckets. And actually when we got there, you, the buckets were tiny. You could barely fit one person in. So it would have been just standing there with your feet in some ice water, yeah. which would have been absolutely pointless. It's a cartoon or something. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. And um, so Brent Valance was like very, uh, he was great because he was like, no, we're bringing our ice bath. It was just a blow up like little toddler pool. And he was like, we're bringing it and we're setting it up. <laughs> so thankfully he did like he, because we had our own area and everything. Uh, so there was lots of room for it. And that's really all we wanted. We didn't care about anything else. But I think we were the only ones that had the ice bath. So I could tell a lot of people who were looking at us going, oh, what is this? Like, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> and um, But yeah, I didn't didn't see anyone else, any other nations using it. And a few of them tried the the buckets that they had, but they weren't really effective. 
and even after the race like people were coming over asking if they could get into <laughs> our ice baths <laughs> to cool down after yeah, but right. yeah i was really surprised there wasn't more of more people doing that and then with slushies i didn't really notice i did notice a lot of ice vests and uh, some really cool ice vests actually i did find that ours were a bit um I don't know, just not fitted enough and they were kind of like big blocks of ice rather than I saw some really cool ones that had lots of little things of ice so it kind of really hugged your body more. Yeah. Um mm. but I think definitely we were the best prepared. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a great example of how, you know, the the high-tech solution is not always the best solution. We talked to Meg about that, you know, back in the Beijing Olympics where they were doing this with the cyclists for the individual time trial and they had to bus out two hours to the Great Wall of China where they were running the time trial. And, and that was one of the things or one of the reasons that they started with the slushies was the fact that they couldn't get pool, like the kiddie pools or, or anything out there because they couldn't access the ice when they went out there. But obviously, you know, each, each race you go to or every event is a little bit different. But, you know, yeah. a great example of like, you know, $20 blow up pool turns out to be better than, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars yeah. for a cutting edge ice vest kind of thing. Yeah. The the men's race, I think, was, was it the day after? Yeah. Yeah. What were the conditions like for them compared to you guys? So the men's race uh, wasn't as hot and it was quite overcast, but I think it was quite humid mm. as well. And I think because it was overcast um, and it wasn't as hot that – people almost underestimated the humidity a bit. Mm -hmm. I think the men's race went out quite fast, whereas our race went out really slow. Yeah. Um, so it was almost more beneficial to have a hotter day in some ways because mm. everyone was a lot more cautious. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, it was, I remember it was just overcast and, and humid Yeah. for the boys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But they still, um, like they still did the ice baths and like they had practiced this the same the same amount that we had and they they went through everything as well yeah yeah, yeah. okay um and in the end uh so there was yourself and ellie uh, lisa yeah and lisa sorry yeah so three guys and three girls wasn't it yeah yeah and did you all end up doing something quite different or you ended up pretty much doing the same thing just because that sort of worked for all of you um so i think so myself and ellie and i think the three boys did the ice bath um, Lisa did the ice towels. Um, so I had tried that as well, but I just found it a little bit panicky because you know you have to have a couple of people helping you put the towels on and take them off every 30 seconds. Whereas yeah. I found it was I found it easier just to sit in the ice bath and just kind of relax a little bit. Yeah. Um I think we all had the slushy um and myself and ellie didn't use the glycerol either she just had sodium i think maybe brett might have um he was fine with the glycerol um and lisa i don't think did hyperhydration although i'm not sure about that yeah yeah okay so i mean i guess the key message there is that you know, as you said you know you need to try these things out well ahead of when you're going to race practice it in a few sessions uh, and then refine your strategy yeah, because by no means does everything suit everyone, you know, like, like, there's all these strategies, but it's not, it doesn't mean you should do everything because it could, your race could unravel if it doesn't suit you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Okay. Um, so I guess putting all of that together now, let's just imagine hypothetically, you, you know, world championships 
turned out to be really, you know, you go, went back to Doha again, for example, and, and raced there and it was really hot. Or, um, you know, we had the Commonwealth Games here on the Gold Coast a few years ago that was quite hot um, that we spoke to Jeff Stenson about. If you had to do a hot race like that again, what do you think you would change or do you think you go in with the same strategy you use for Tokyo? Oh, I would use a very similar strategy. Um, I think the one thing I would do is uh, somehow trial the hyperhydration again and more gels and drinks like consume uh, closer to the amount that I think I will do on race day just to see how my stomach would handle it um, because I, I definitely think I must have taken on too many carbs during the race um, so that's something I would refine uh, for sure um, other than that I think my heat prep was good um, yeah I think everything else was pretty good so that would be the one thing I'd work on. Yeah, yeah. And I know Steph's always talking about sort of training the gut and getting it used to that volume. So, you know, doing that repeatedly, yeah, might, might pay off as well. And is that a thing, like, is your stomach, um, does it get more sensitive during heat? Yeah, it can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, because um, less um, blood flow is going to your gut. Um, so um, you can get sort of like more injury. And, um, and your gut is going through a more sort of stressful response. So the kind of the digestion and absorption isn't working as well. So yeah. things can kind of come through a bit more slowly. Um, so, yeah, so definitely in terms of gastrointestinal symptoms, are, are, yeah, a higher incidence in, in the heat. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, something to, to, to definitely train um, yeah. and train in the heat. Mm. All right, um, and then the final one, any other advice or suggestions for, for athletes out there that are considering you know, using any of these strategies to help them, whether it's either in you know, really hard training sessions where they want the quality of that to be good and it's hot, um, or for competition as well? Um, I, think, I, don't, I think the main thing is, is the practice and you know, to, to trial stuff yourself and not just kind of assume that what worked for me or for other people will work for you. Mm. Um, I think that's the most important thing, really. That's yeah. spot on, yeah. All right. Well, we'll finish off now with our bonus round, Sinead, which is where we get to find out a little bit more about you besides running and slushies and ice fests and kiddie pools. Um, <laughs> so first question, if you had to start again tomorrow and choose a completely different career path from what you've been down, what do you reckon you'd do? Oh gosh, um, I yeah, I have thought about this <laughs> because um, it's got, it's almost like what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> I still haven't decided. <laughs> um, like I work, so I work in IT and I have a career in running. So I actually really like both of them, and they both work pretty well together. But if I was to go back, I would definitely choose something that was highly paid <laughs> because. <laughs> I would love to have because I have lots of interests kind of outside work that I'd like to pursue um so I'd love a cruisy job that was high paid but I don't know what that is <laughs> as long as it gives you the time to be able to pursue yeah, all those so other things I'd love to have time yeah to yeah. do you know like I I quite like research and uh learning about history and I'd love to be more informed about politics and current affairs and stuff so if I had time I would love to get more into that but um 
you know and if I had a like a really cruisy job and stuff maybe I could do that on the side but yeah something highly paid yeah fair enough (laughs) um is there a particular race that you've always wanted to do but hasn't ever really the opportunities never really come around or it just hasn't the timing hasn't been right yeah I would I want to race Berlin Mm. um because I've just heard so many good things about it and it's a really fast course and the weather is usually really good so uh, I just haven't had the opportunity. There's always been another race on around it, or I've been, you know, signed up to a different one of the majors because I did want to like do London and New York, and I have done both of those. So I would love to do all of the majors, but um, I think Berlin in particular would yep. be one I'd like to do. Yeah, cool. Um, favorite moment from the Olympics or Paralympics apart from your own event? Yeah, so um, it was funny in Sapporo, we were trying to watch like as much as we could but um on japanese tv they tended to only show if there was a japanese person in it yeah or uh some of really strange events that i had no interest in like um wrestling or table tennis and stuff like that but myself and ellie had like we were trying to actually connect to we were sharing a room so we were trying to connect to the channel seven um stream because we really wanted the aussie commentary as well um But that kept, we it worked a few nights and then it would break. But um, I loved watching anything, any races with any Aussies or Irish in it. Like mm. I really loved, enjoyed watching those. And in particular, you know, the watching the guys that I train with and like the guys and the girls that I train with, it's really special to see them. So like it was amazing to watch Stewie because he's so, yeah. um, he's right up there with the best in the world. So that was really great to watch him race and like uh, all of the other uh people that i trained with at mtc was you know exciting to watch their races and also peter ball i think he had like a standout um uh olympics so that was cool to watch and also jess fox yeah <laughs> it was really great watching her um yeah so uh, there was lots of really special moments actually Mm. yeah yeah but it sounds like you got a bit shafted with the tv like looking at what happened in tokyo like they had that downstairs bit at the bottom of the apartment block with the big screens and the lounge chairs yeah (laughs) that would have been so cool like to be able to go down and watch that whereas we were stuck in a hotel room and we weren't allowed to leave the hotel and like trying to to get all these streams going and hitting technical difficulties like every few minutes but yeah (laughs) fair enough (laughs) it was fun though yeah um is there something that you always have to take with you when you're traveling? Oh, my uh, coffee yep. pot thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have like this thing, it's a mini presso, yep. and like you can get a really nice espresso out of it. Uh, so that has to come with me just in case, you know, there, is, there isn't good coffee available. Yep. So I take that on my coffee pots. Yeah, fair enough. Well, don't worry. Uh, I think probably 90% of people we ask that question, that is the same answer. <laughs> really? obsessed about her ellie ellie as well with her error press <laughs> so you probably get to share or if yeah, one breaks yeah. down you can use the other yeah. um final question do you live by any piece of advice or motto yeah i don't i don't generally like you know like follow mottos and phrases and stuff i do like them but i just never remember them so <laughs> I, but this one i am so dare to live the life you have dreamed for yourself yeah. so rather than you know trying to um keep other people happy and you know trying to appease people all the time just kind of or listen to have other people telling you what you can and you can't do you know Mm. is 
uh, a little a bit of a bugbear for me. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think follow you know follow your own path and um, you know do don't have others kind of limit you. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, really well, well said. And obviously, with the last few years you've had, I think uh, you've very much lived up to that, which is which is amazing. So oh, thank thanks you. so much, Sinead, for being on the podcast. No it was great to hear a bit of, uh, I guess, the background in terms of those different strategies and how they actually play out in the real world. So, yeah, mm-hmm. thanks so much for your time. No worries yeah, at all. You. Hopefully that will help somebody yeah. when they're gearing up for, like, a hot race. It's not the easiest thing to to prep for. It definitely adds another layer of complexity on top of, you know, already difficult training, I think. Yeah. yeah. But it's definitely worth putting the effort in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sinead, for that. Really great insights into your preparation for Tokyo um, and then some of the, the insights into you know some of the other guys and girls as well who were involved both in the, the race walking but particularly the marathon. Um, great result, you know, as we, we talked about at the start of the show, you know, to see her come through and, and take 10th in that marathon and pass so many people in the back half was was really amazing um, and you know such a such a lovely person as well I've, I've met Sinead a few times and um, yeah always always a pleasure to to catch up with her and, and have a chat so yeah Steph do you want to summarize this one for us yeah yep um, so um, pre-calling um, when we spoke to to Sinead about that she found for herself um, yeah that that she used the the slushies as we mentioned with Meg um, it's based off of our body body mass and so um, you know lower body mass then you know the volume of, of slushies is obviously not going to be that big and they use that um, closer to the the race start um, uh, and that's just due to other factors in terms of the cooling routine so where they use you know um, cooling water immersion and those types of things and um, that was a big thing that actually Shanae had said was you know initially I think they were told when they were preparing for to go over there that um, it wasn't going to be as easy to access the um, the cooling bus but the team saw how important that was um, so they went to the extra effort to make sure that really happened and and that was a really huge benefit to them and they found that you know post race as well like people were trying to jump into the um, the cooling bath um, so that was quite funny um, and um, yeah just in terms of the uh, the hyperhydration strategy um, when um, Sinead tried that and she did try it with um, they tried it both with um, sodium and glycerol she kind of it didn't didn't enjoy that that too much it kind of didn't sit all that well and she found that she was um really thirsty and yeah whether that was was from too much of the sodium or or glycerol um a bit hard to tell and maybe that's something that you know she might go and refine for future events in in the heat if she does want to try it again and then um yeah, you can get obviously some um, abdominal and, and gastrointestinal discomfort um, from this practice, um, and that that can be common. So again, that's why you wanna you wanna practice it, and um, and also just it, it wasn't mentioned in the episode, but when we were chatting to Shanae a bit more after, um, she just spoke about um, you know like they did have to get up 
quite early for the event as well. Uh, and so, you know, already getting up early and having breakfast and those types of things and then having to like hyperhydrate in like the early hours of like 4 a.m., um, you know, kind of just didn't kind of work uh, for her. So just being mindful of how these things will fit into your routine and potentially doing a, a trial of exactly what may happen. Uh, in terms of um, menthol, um, yeah, unfortunately for, for Sinead, it just wasn't um, something that she enjoyed the uh, the sensation of or the, the taste. And um, yeah, she just didn't find that it was perhaps going to be all that beneficial for her at that particular time and point. Um, and as we mentioned, there's a number of strategies. So you want to pick what's the most effective for you. Um, and if you combine them, do they all work out well together? So, um, yeah, don't do what, you know, Sinead did for herself, as we've just mentioned. Um, you need to individualise the strategy for yourself. And also remember, we, we're going to be different body mass, etc. Um, everyone can kind of handle the heat a bit differently too. It'll depend on what your acclimation sort of, you know, period is as well. Um, and then it depends on what are the conditions. Are you in really hot, dry or hot, humid conditions? Because depending on that will also influence what you may test out. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was just super helpful to see what actually kind of happened for the guys over in Tokyo. And then, you know, they did practice it, which was fantastic. They practiced it prior to Tokyo. They practiced it in Cairns and then they refined it again over there. Um uh, so, yeah, really good insight and thank you to Sinead for sharing that with us. Mm, awesome. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. But if you've got any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can hit us up at The Long Munch on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. But other than that, this is our last episode for 2021. Uh, we are taking a few weeks off. Uh, we will be back in early to mid-January 2022, uh, but we haven't quite finalise which topic we're going to do first. So we've got a few different ones we're looking at, uh, but certainly we'll let you know via social media when that will be available and which topic we're going to bite off first, Steph. Yeah, yep. Cannot wait. 2022, here we come. Yep. Got some really exciting topics, I think, to, to look forward to, particularly in the first half of the year that we've got planned, uh, some really practical ones uh, and ones that I don't think get really – things that I think people always – talk about and discuss but never really come to a conclusion on so be great to to have a listen to some of those and um, get those recorded we're really looking forward to those yeah 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 awesome all right well um merry christmas to everyone happy new year and we will see you in the new year 2022 yep see you then see ya <laughs>